go into a deal trying to get everything you can for your client, but also try to make sure you're satisfying the other side so they're going to want to do business with you in the future. I, I, I don't think it's about, I'm going to negotiate a great deal. I think you have to look at it. I want to be a problem solver so everybody can walk away feeling great about it. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us on this week's show. Coming up on our show today, Mark Bartlestein, the founder and CEO of Priority Sports. His clients include NFL stars Kirk Cousins and Mike Evans and NBA stars Gordon Hayward, Bradley Beal, and Jabari Parker. I got to know Mark 20 years ago when he worked with a mutual friend of ours, Brian Grant. We'll talk to him about Kirk Cousins' groundbreaking three-year fully guaranteed deal that he just signed with the Vikings. Also, what's the NBA landscape going to look like this summer on the free agent market? A rare look from an agent who's talking to GMs in the NFL and the NBA coming up on our show today. Another guest that's going to join us as well, Blake Lawrence, the founder and CEO of Open Doors. They're a company that helps match athletes and companies. If you're a company and you want to reach an athlete's social media following, they will broker that deal for you. They're doing some great things to bring more personality to athletes that they work with on social media and money to those athletes as well. They also bring value to their brands. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh, I think it goes without saying that our brackets in the NCAA March Madness <laughs> pool are absolutely busted. We totally. both had Gonzaga, so yep. we're yep. toast. But a 16 beats a 1. Love I've seen that before. Yep. And Loyola Chicago is in the Final Four, and I'm going to Chicago next week. So if they make it to the championship game, Party. that place is going to be <laughs> lit. No, it's been crazy. I mean, what a what a year for bracket busting. I love the 16-1 was epic. That was just fun to see. You knew it was going to happen yeah, at some at point. At some point, we got to see it, so that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. And then I got uh, Villanova and Kansas still in, so I got two, but I picked Gonzaga. But, Ooh, uh, you still it. have Villanova, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. All right. But uh, it's a fun time of year. I love it. Masters coming up. we got baseball starting. It's a good time of year to be a sports fan. Well, and isn't it interesting with the NCAA tournament, the teams that are supposedly part of this FBI investigation, Arizona and others have gone out. Even uh, the bad karma teams, as I'll call them, Michigan State, <laughs> yeah. North Carolina, uh, others that have fallen, but you still have on one side of the bracket two big names, Villanova and Kansas. One of them is going to be in the championship game. Yep. And then, you know, you've got kind of the Cinderella's Loyola Chicago for sure. And then you've got Michigan. But the story of the tournament isn't any basketball player, Griggs. It's Sister Jean from <laughs> Loyola, Chicago. And the thing that's interesting is there's Sister Jean bobbleheads. <laughs> there's t-shirts that say and none instead of and one, <laughs> the clothing brand, and none. I love that. And there's a lot of money being made here 
on the Sister Jean cottage industry and what she's been nice enough to do. She's going directly to heaven. I mean, look, yeah. she's yeah. 98. Yeah. She's already a holy person. Now that she's doing this, she signed away her likeness and these revenues to Loyola Chicago. So she basically said, you know what? I don't need anything. You guys go ahead and take advantage of, you know, Sister Jean brand being hot right now, which <laughs> they're doing. And then I love too that Jalen Rose from ESPN, he has a hundred year old grandma. And so she's even older than Sister Jean. And, you know, Jalen Rose went to Michigan. So Jalen Rose's grandma was, like, talking smack to Sister Jean. (laughs) So I want to see, like, the smack off between (laughs) Sister Jean and Jalen Rose's grandma prior to Loyola Chicago Michigan meeting in the final four. It's so good. I love that's what's cool about the NCAA tournament too. There's always some random weird stories right. that come out outside of the court. And yeah. this one's got to be one of the top. I love it. It's just she's so sweet and likable and she's just awesome. The interviews have been hilarious and her I love her comment about go ahead and bust those brackets. You know, like she's just she's great. It's been fun. Well, and Nike did like a pair of Air Sister jeans <laughs> customized for yes. her. And then the Ringer did a great video which we retweeted recently at SB radio of instead of Billie Jean from Michael Jackson, right. it's Sister Jean, and it's a song and it's a parody, but it's very, very funny. So yeah, uh. lots of news around Sister Jean, and look, you can't root against Sister Jean in no. this one. No. This is She's got the force, and uh, the force is strong in Sister Jean, as I tweeted out earlier uh, in the week when there were a few shots from Loyola Chicago opponents that looked like they were going in, but then It was almost as if Sister Jean said, oh, no, those are not going to fall. All right. Coming up next, Mark Bartlestein, founder of Priority Sports, one of the biggest NBA and NFL agents out there. We'll chat with him. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Mark Bartlestein. He is the CEO of Priority Sports. You can find them on Twitter at Priority Sports. His clients include NFL star Kirk Cousins and NBA stars Gordon Hayward, Bradley Beal, and Jabari Parker. Mark and I got to know each other about 20 years ago when we were both working with NBA player Brian Grant. Mark, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. It's uh, great to connect with you. Yeah, really good to connect with you, too. Why don't we start with you sharing the story of how you started Priority Sports back in the 80s. You moved over from the financial sector. How did you decide that you wanted to be an athlete agent? Wow. Uh, Well, it's been a heck of a journey. You know, it's just I had played ball my whole life, you know, was a sports nut and, you know, loved to play, you know, especially basketball and 
um, was went to Northwestern to get my uh, MBA at Kellogg, so the Kellogg Business School there, and that was that was a great opportunity for me. And came out of there, work and went to work for Morgan Stanley in uh, actually foreign exchange arbitrage and investment banking. And it was great. Morgan was a great company. I loved it, but I just wasn't really feeling fulfilled and kind of sort of pursuing. Um, kind of get my, my motor running every day and sort of affecting uh, people and, and making changes and it was really more about kind of just grinding out and making money <laughs> which is which is obviously what we're all trying to do in business but I just wasn't getting enough fulfillment out of it and had this crazy idea of starting a business, you know, representing athletes and um, never imagined it would be where it is today but uh, it, was, it was truly sort of an entrepreneurial venture and and I've uh, been kind of caught a lot of breaks along the way and had a lot of good fortune and some just wonderful players, uh, athletes and families that have asked us to work with them that, you know, given those, given us those opportunities and, and it's allowed us to kind of, um, kind of be where we are today. And wasn't Hot Rod Williams one of your first clients? Well, he wasn't necessarily one of the very first. He was certainly very early in, in my career. Um, but he was without question sort of, um, the the client the deal you know sort of his story that that brought us a lot of recognition and, and kind of got us on the map is what I would say so um, High Rod wasn't you know one of maybe one of the very initial clients but he was he was uh, instrumental and in, you know this this uh, we would not be anywhere where we are today without High Rod Williams that is for sure yeah I mean the thing that I've always thought about you and and your agency is. You've never really had those no-brainer max players, at least in the NBA, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Harden, Russell Westbrook, but you've gotten your guys max money deals. You have absolutely maximized their potential. And again, I go back to our mutual friend, Brian Grant, who is a terrific player, but the money that you got him over the years was, you know, for most people, they would go, wow, Mark Bartlestein and Priority Sports really maximized Brian Grant's potential. So I guess my question to you is, when you're choosing your clients, have you kind of always said, we're not looking for the superstar, we're looking for that A-B type of athlete? Or what's your recipe with attracting clients? Well, really, it's, 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 it's about finding just the right fit. You know, we, we have a certain value system um, and beliefs here and the way we want to run the business and the kind of players that we will enjoy representing. Um, and, 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 and really mostly you know, more than anything, the character, you know, of, of the guys that we, that we want to be proud to represent. And so there's no question they've got to be able to, to, to play because it's, you know, the NBA, the NFL, or, or, you know, if you're not elite, if you're not one of the elite athletes, you're, it doesn't matter how strong your character is, you know, you're going to have a hard time maintaining a career. But we think that character combined with talent is, really what we're looking for and we we we, we want to make sure we have both and and so we we really look for the fit and, and and for athletes and families that we think are going to buy into the way we run the business and and the way we're going to do things and 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 that's been the key we've just been very lucky to be able to find those families that really uh, found a connection with the way we want to go about handling ourselves every day um and that that's really what it's all about so it's not that we you know say okay well this we have to stay away from this guy or that guy because, you know, maybe he's an A-plus talent coming out. That's not it at all. It's, it's really who, who has A-plus character. Uh, who, who are the kind of guys that, that, you know, this is such an intense business. 
Um, it's really uh, a 24 hour a day relationship with your clients. It never, it never stops. There's always something happening. And if you're going to have those kind of relationships where you're going to be working, you know, kind of around the clock, it's got to be, it's got to be people you really enjoy that, that really, um, um, you know, it sounds corny to say this, but, but they, they become like family members and, and, and you got to be able to have those kind of relationships with them to do it the way we do it. And so you got to make sure it's, it's the right fit. Mark, we've all seen the movie Jerry Maguire, and I think a lot of people wonder how early does an agency have to build a relationship with an athlete? Or, you know, there's some agencies that are even focused on we don't want guys on rookie deals. We want guys who are on that second, third, fourth deal. What's your philosophy with chasing clients? Do clients come to you via other clients' word of mouth? How has that worked for you? Yeah, I mean, we don't, we really don't get into you know, recruiting kids at a very young age. Uh, certainly, you know, I know there are, you hear stories about, you know, kids in high school already having relationships with agents and things of that nature. That's just not something we've ever done. Um, really, you know, it's like any business, the, the best, your best uh, tool in terms of acquiring or um, uh, bringing in new clients is, is, is word of mouth and it's the job you do for the people that you currently represent. So we rely a, a great deal on referrals, you know, of our clients, their family members, their coaches. And if, you know, if you got to earn the right to represent people and if you do a great job and, and, and you exceed their expectations, you know, they're, they're going to want their friends and their teammates, uh, to be with you because they, they want to help them. So that's really been our, our formula more than anything else. Certainly, you still have to go out and make your case, and it's a very competitive business. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine a business that can be more competitive than what we're in. So, you certainly have to recruit and tell your story, and give and give the reasons why you think you can make an impact on their career relative to somebody else. But there's nothing in the world like getting in the door because a current client has recommended you. Let's talk some specifics. Uh, you guys represent Kirk Cousins, who is now the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Pretty noteworthy contract for him this offseason. Three years, fully guaranteed. How were you able to negotiate a fully guaranteed deal for Kirk Cousins? Because that is certainly not the norm in the NFL. Sure. Well, you know, I didn't negotiate. Mike McCartney, as one of my partners, you know, did that deal. Um, and certainly, you know, um, Mike did a spectacular job with it. Uh, it's, it, it was, that is, that was a deal that really has been going on now for upwards of three years. And there was a lot of decisions that had to be made over the last number of years with Kirk in terms of the direction that he wanted to go in with his career, uh, what kind of a contract he was looking for, where he wanted to play. Um, so all of those things were, were really, um, you know, breathing on a daily basis. Uh, and, and Mike managed that, you know, with Kirk and, and really did a spectacular job. And our, the feeling that, that we had on that is, um, you know, we haven't seen uh, guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL. It hasn't happened. And it's been, a, it's been a big subject, you know, relative to what you see in, in the NBA and in Major League Baseball. And we felt that this was an opportunity uh, because of the, the ability, you, know, you normally never see a player of Kirk's stature get to the unrestricted free agency market. And Mike did just an incredible job of managing the process to get Kirk to unrestricted free agency. And we felt if that happened, this was based upon his age 
and where he was at and his stature, you know, as an elite quarterback in this league, that, you know, we could potentially have the opportunity to do a groundbreaking contract, which is what Mike did. And uh, so we're, we're thrilled with it, and we think there will be a lot of ramifications for NFL players down the road due to that contract. I've been hosting this show for 14 years now, and I would say one of the top five questions I've been asked during that time. Brian, why are NBA contracts fully guaranteed and NFL contracts not fully guaranteed most of the time, the Cousins contract not being the norm? Is it simply, Mark, because the players' unions are different and the NBA players' union negotiated a better collective bargaining agreement than the NFL? Is that what it comes down to, it, or is it something else? There's a lot of factors, and I think there's, there's often been a lot of misinformation in trying to answer that question. Uh, but I think it's not quite understood all the variables that go into it. So, um, you know, there, there is a difference in the collective bargaining agreement. In the NBA, there is a what I would call a little bit of a softer cap and that teams can go above the salary cap to re-sign their own players. The cap gets, get, gets hard once you get into a luxury tax situation, but, 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 but teams can go above and beyond you know, the, the cap line to re-sign their own players. So, so there's a lot more flexibility um, that that is that's one issue, but you know the other side of it is that I, I think sometimes people think that you know you're not allowed to do guaranteed contracts in the in the NFL and you are in the NBA. That's not the case. You can, as, you, as we just saw with Kirk, you can you, you can get whatever you can negotiate. A team can guarantee a contract in the NFL. We just did that with Kirk Cousins. What happens though in the NFL is because you know once you get you know there's 53 guys on a roster. You know, by the time you get done with injuries, injury reserve, and everything else, you might have 75 or 80 players on a roster, and the players become sort of interchangeable to a degree um, during the course of the season, whereas in the NBA, you've got 15 players on a roster. So, you know, each individual player in, in, the, in the NBA, you know, once you get past the quarterback position, um, you know, relative to the NFL, I think is, is, is far less interchangeable. And you know, there's there's a there's more value in retaining that player, and so I think that leads uh, to, nego- to 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 guaranteed contracts. I think that is part of it. I think the salary cap, like I said, plays a part of it. The, you know, the harder cap versus the softer cap, um, but it's just I think the nature of the business. You know, if if if, a, if an NBA player, you know, walked down the street, you know, the, uh, 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 you, you know, most NBA players are very recognizable. They're playing in shorts. They're right up in front of you. You've seen them every single night. NFL players have helmets on, and they're not. They're just not as recognizable. So it's hard for them to retain that value with the fan base that I think an NBA player does. So there's a lot of things that go into it. But I think that you know, hopefully, uh, Kirk's contract is going to start a trend. And we're going to see a lot more. We have seen over the years the, the guaranteed portion of NFL contracts has been increasing percentage-wise. Um, and, and hopefully that's going to continue And uh, because God knows those guys, you know, they, their, their career spans are so short. They are really putting their careers at, at risk every time they step on the field. Um, you know, it's, it's like being in a, in a car accident, you know, time after time after time on, on Sunday afternoons. And so you, we'd love for those players to get as much financial security as possible. Mark, Priority Sports led all agencies last summer. You negotiated $354.6 million for nine different players on the NBA market. Pretty incredible summer for you guys led by Gordon Hayward. What's the free agent market going to look like this summer? Because everything I'm hearing is 
the money's not dried up, but people are going to be pretty cautious with where they spend their money. And if they can't find the players they're targeting this summer, they're going to hang on to the money in 2019. What's it going to look like? Well, I think you know there's been a lot written about this doomsday scenario with the you know with the salary cap after after maybe the last few summers. Um, but you know, last summer there wasn't a lot of room either. Uh, the summer before that was was certainly a you know a very strong market, and even the summer in, in '15 was, was, was strong. We've seen this in, you know over the years. There's there's been we go through cycles um, where the salary cap becomes stagnant and there's not a lot of growth, and so there's not a lot of room for teams to go out, you know, with, with their books and, and the room they have in the salary cap to go out and, and acquire players. And then and then the, that money will free up and the cap will grow or certain contracts will come off the books. And then you'll see teams can be much more aggressive in the marketplace. So, you know, it, 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 I don't, it, it's not going to be the doomsday scenario that a lot of people predict. I think it will be a much more conservative marketplace because there, there are less teams with cap room. We're not going to have a, um, a big bump in the salary cap this year. But then I think what you will see is a number of these contracts that were signed in 15 and 16 will come off the books, you know, in the, in, the, in the coming summers. And then you'll see a really vibrant marketplace again, as well as I think you're going to see a lot of growth in the salary cap. You know, I think Adam Silver is doing wonderful things with the league. I think that he's being very innovative, finding new revenue sources, uh, growing the, the game globally. And all that's going to flow back to the owners and the players. They, they share the revenue. Um, and so as that revenue starts to come in, you'll see the cap start to grow, and, and we'll start to see a very competitive marketplace again. Walk us through, you know, I'm always interested. You sit in such an interesting position. You've got to deal with GMs of all these teams. What's that process like? I think many people listening to this right now, you know, do you text with them regularly? Do you have phone calls with them? And I know, you know, it goes in, in cycles, right? You may have some free agents. You may have some guys that want to be traded. How often are you keeping up relationships with these GMs so that you're in a good spot with them when you need to get on a phone and make a deal? Oh, it's constant. I mean, it's constant. It, 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 that's a daily process. You know, there's, there's always things going on. There's always uh, issues to talk about, subjects to talk about. There's, 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 you know, plans for the future. Um, you always want to understand kind of how they're looking at, you know, um, you know, what, 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 how they're looking at the next 12 months, the next 24 months, the next week, uh, with roster changes, with managing their salary cap, with their draft plans, free agency plans, trade plans. So that, 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 those are all conversations that you're constantly having so that you can prepare and try to, you know, that teams have problems or issues they're trying to solve, ways they're trying to improve their team. And, you know, we look at our job as being a problem solver, trying to help them, you know, make their teams better, try to find the right fit for them. And so if you don't know where the, what they're planning on doing or how they're looking at their team and things that they're concerned about, um, then there's how could you possibly address those issues? So the, that dialogue is, is continually happening and, in, in the same way from the team's perspective. They want to know, you know, kind of where what our guys are thinking and, you know, who we have in free agency this summer and which guys, you know, are apt to test the market and, you know, which players may not be thrilled with where they're at for whatever reason, due to playing time or winning or losing, whatever it might be. So this, that's all part of the business. It's, it's, there's constant information gathering on both sides. And that's the only way you can go about kind of, you know, making, making the perfect match is you have to understand what each side is looking for and, 
and then find what, what, what becomes a good fit for everybody. A few more things to cover with you before I let you go. More and more players are interested in building investment portfolios versus taking cash from endorsement deals. I just had Rich Kleiman, who's Kevin Durant's business partner on this show a few weeks ago. And, you know, you sure. see what LeBron is doing. And I know those are the, you know, elite of the elite. But you guys do a great job with helping market your athletes as well, which, by the way, a lot of agencies don't do. And you do a good job of helping your athletes build their brand. Are you going to them and saying, look, there's an upside to taking an equity deal? Like, I look at the deal LeBron did with Beats by Dre, which got bought by Apple. And that's probably the right. pinnacle of, okay, I'll take some equity. Then it gets sold to Apple and, you know, he nets a billion dollars from the deal instead right. of what he would have netted if he was just taking cash as a, as a spokesperson. Are you seeing more equity plays with your athletes and companies who are saying, we'll work with your athlete, but we want to do equity versus straight cash? Sure. I think it's a little bit all over. I mean, it, it, we look at equity plays all the time. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, where a player is in his career. You know, so if you're someone, you know, like you mentioned, Gordon Hayward or Bradley Beal are making $130 million, you know, and, and, and there's some, some some space out there that they're really interested in that uh, they think is authentic to what they're all about and, and they would like to, you know, be a part of something bigger than just doing an, a straight endorsement deal, then absolutely those things make a lot of sense. But I think it also depends, as I mentioned, where you are. As a young player uh, who's trying to build net worth and build a portfolio, um, maybe it's not exactly the right time until he gets his foot feet underneath him. Because a lot of these plays, whether you're getting, you know, where you're getting a piece for your involvement and for your name or you're choosing to invest dollars in it, you know, um, you know, you know, eighty percent of those deals are, are not going to come to fruition. You know, we read about the home runs. You don't read about all the deals that, that that don't have a happy ending, right? So, you know, we, we obviously want to protect our clients. We want to help them, uh, you know, create great uh, uh, wealth for themselves. But but you, you also we need to be conservative in making those decisions. And so, for each player, they're at a different stage in their life, a different stage in their career. There's times where those deals I think make a lot of sense. Uh, from an endorsement perspective, and there's times where maybe uh, it, they're not quite ready for that, and it's, we want to go more the standard route. So we, we look at everything, weigh it all out, and uh, always have an open mind. And, but there certainly is a lot more going down that direction. I think players, as they've built their brands and they're, they're kind of letting the world know areas of, of business that they're in, interested in, I think there are becoming more and more opportunities to do those things. You guys have started a coaches and broadcasting division at Priority Sports, and I look at two guys in particular, Kurt Warner, Steve Kerr. They were yeah. with you as players. You do a great job of building those personal relationships like we've discussed previously on this interview. I like the fact that you can take some of those guys because, again, you do have bright athletes that you know are in your stable, whether it's Gordon Hayward or Bradley Beal or Kirk Cousins and obviously Kurt Warner and, and Steve Kerr. Is it something while they're players that you do so, hey, let's prep you for post-career. You might be a broadcaster. You might be a coach. Let's talk about that while you're playing. Is that something that you guys actively discuss well, we do, but this is gets back to kind of what I said before. This is where it's better to be lucky than good. So <laughs> you know, when, when you when you're when you have the good fortune of you know Steve Kerr and Kurt Warner and you know like I said 
Bradley Beal and Gordon Hayward and Kirk Cousins. You mentioned names like like those guys are like that's that's everything that we want to be all about, and we are so lucky and fortunate that you know we can have these these lifetime relationships with them because those guys um, they're they're so talented and they're about all the right things. Their character is beyond reproach, and so they are the perfect you know. It, the transition to go into coaching or broadcasting, um, I mean, could could there be better fits than to mention those names? So there are things we talk about, but it's because they're so talented and they are in such high demand. And so it's just it's a lot of fun uh, to work on their behalf, I can tell you that. All right, last question. I wish I had more time with you. But everyone listening to this right now is going to have to negotiate something at some point in their life. <laughs> Right. You are a master negotiator. Give me two to three tips on negotiating that our audience can use when they have to negotiate something. Yeah, well, you know, see, I don't really view myself as a master negotiator. It's funny. I was just talking at Northwestern Law School about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I don't think it's, it's – I don't ever go into anything thinking about negotiating. You think about problem solving. You know, there's two sides to every story, and – and, and there are two sides of every deal, and, and, and you, you have to figure out a way to allow the, the people you're trying to make a deal with to feel good about the deal, to walk away from it so they're meeting their goals, uh, they're accomplishing what they need out of it, while you're still getting a deal that you feel is, is terrific for your client. So to me, it's about research. It's about understanding um, what everyone's trying to accomplish, information gathering, um, being able to present what it is that's important to you, being a listener, listening to the other side. So to me, whether you're whether you're deciding where to go to dinner with your wife or you're negotiating a you know $100 million contract, whatever it might be, you, you still got to come to a solution where everybody feels good about it. And it's not about, I think where most people make the biggest mistake is they're always trying to get the very best deal. And they're always trying to you know walk away saying, oh, I got a great deal on this one. Well, we all live in a very small world in reality. And the people you deal with in business, you know, it, it, it's going to be the same people you deal with over and over again. So if you take advantage of someone and get an extra dollar because you, you know, you were clever with something, it's going to come back to haunt you the next time. So, you know, make, go into a deal trying to get everything you can for your client, but also try to make sure you're satisfying the other side so they're going to want to do business with you in the future so you can do another great deal for the next client or for that client when his next deal comes up. And I, I think that's, I, I don't think it's about, I'm going to negotiate a great deal. I'm going to, I think you have to look at it. I want to be a problem solver so everybody can walk away feeling great about it. Great advice. Play the long game. Good stuff. Congratulations on all of your success. I look forward to seeing you in person next week. Mark Bartlestein, the CEO of Priority Sports. Find them on Twitter at Priority Sports. Mark, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Have a great day. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate it, Brian. Look forward to seeing you, too. Okay? Okay. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to lead with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. 
The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Passport's PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. My guest is Blake Lawrence. He is the founder and CEO of Open Doors. You can find him on Twitter at Blake underscore Lawrence and at Open Doors. Blake, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Brian, I'm doing all right, man. Excited for MLB season right around the corner and a little bit of spring weather to come to Nebraska. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's start there. Uh, You're a former Nebraska Cornhusker football player. How did you go from that to starting Open Doors? And tell our audience what Open Doors does specifically. Yeah, I appreciate that, Brian. So Open Doors is an athlete marketing platform. Uh, We're in, in that sports tech world. And really, we exist to help athletes share content on social. Right now, 3,100 athletes around the world use our software uh, to receive content from brands and properties to share on their social channels. So we very much simplified the process of working together with athletes to share content to engage their audience online. And how do we get there? Well, uh, Brian, thinking about t- 2009 was my last year playing football at Nebraska. 2010, I started a social media agency focused on businesses and helping them build their brand on social. 2011, Prince Amukamara, one of my best friends at Nebraska, got drafted to the New York Giants, and he needed help building his brand on social, so we started to work with him and realized quickly that getting him to share content on his social channels was very challenging. I mean, he was focused on the field and not his phone, and but when he did share content, his fans loved it. And so we needed to find an easy way to get content over to him to share on his social channels, and we built Open Doors to make that possible. So with a, a click of a button, uh, Prince can get a video or an image or a gift to share on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. He says yes, and Open Doors does a rest, pushes out the content. So um, Athletes Helping Athletes have been doing it since uh, 2013 and, and very proud to know that we're having an impact around the world today. Now, I love the model of your company and your business because you're helping athletes and leagues like the LPGA build their brands on social, but then you're also helping connect the athletes with the brands who are looking to connect with the athletes. And let's face it, like there's some great agents out there, but sometimes it's hard to get the agent to take a deal to the athlete. And what you guys have been able to do is build those relationships with the athletes so that they can monetize their social media. I think that's been really a, a great way for you guys to streamline that process. Yeah, Brian, that's, that was really the foundation for Openers. Once we made it easy for Prince to share content on social, uh, we wanted to help athletes monetize social. We thought that was the best way to bring value to them. So in 2013, we started to work with 
brands of all shapes and sizes. In fact, our first partnership with the NFL Players Association, they brought us in to work with all NFL sponsors and licensees. So the, the Hyundais and Courtyard Marriott's and Tides and EA Sports of the World looking to have an easy way to work with multiple athletes from multiple agents on social media campaigns and sharing sponsored content. And uh, for us, the, the agents in that community, they're actually big time supporters and users of Open Doors as well, because the, the platform really simplifies their life and helping them distribute content through their clients and satisfy the needs of those uh, endorsement and sponsorship obligations. So um, yeah, the foundation for Open Doors is in, in working with sponsors and pushing out sponsored content through the social channels of athletes and ultimately helping the sponsor reach and engage a larger audience and helping that athlete monetize and capitalize on that audience they've worked so hard to build. So let's do a quick case study here. Uh, let's say that I'm company X and I'm a smaller company and I want to work with an NFL player because I want them to promote my brand via their social platforms. Walk me through the process of how that works. Yeah, so the first thing that you'll do is get introduced to Open Doors as a, as a solution for you. And you uh, that what we provide is access to athletes. And so with a, a subscription to Open Doors, which can start at $5,000 a year and go up, uh, you get access to all of the athletes that use Open Doors to share content on social every day and the agents that also manage those athletes. So you're talking about 3,100 athletes with a total reach of uh, nearly a billion social followers worldwide. So that's what's on the other side of Open Doors. And if you come in and you're a small business and you don't really know who you want to work with, what you want them to say, which channels to push content through, then our team provides that strategy for you. So uh, once we understand what your goals are, your initiatives as a brand, then we'll sit down and say, okay, based on your goals, your why, we're going to tell you who we recommend. And these are the players in, in the New York market that we'd recommend that uh, promote your brand. And then here's what they should say, and here's where and when. And once we agree to uh, the strategy behind that sponsored content campaign, Open Doors as a platform does the rest. You know, you load up the content, select the athlete, uh, schedule out the post, the exact date and time you want it shared, and hit send. And then Open Doors will automatically handle the approval process, the contract process, the payment process, the publishing process, and and it'll even analyze the results in all in one place. So it's a the once you settle on the strategy, Open Doors is a solution for getting that, that how. And the tricky part in so many of these sponsorship and, and endorsement op opportunities in social is actually just the execution, getting it done. And, and that's what we believe we're the best in the world at. Blake, let's dig in on a few specific topics. Uh, Sports Business Journal recently came out with an article showing the disparity in social performance between Major League Baseball players and athletes and other major sports. Why are Major League Baseball players behind their NFL and NBA counterparts, in your opinion? It is, uh, Brian, I appreciate that. And that's, this is one of my favorite topics to discuss is, is what is the difference between an NBA player, an MLB player, an NHL, NFL? Like, because there are trends, and you can look at the stats and understand that the audience sizes for NBA and the top NFL players are much larger than those that you'll find in MLB or NHL or MLS. Um, say for uh, some superstars like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But uh, getting back to the MLB topic, uh, it's very interesting, but we've, we've worked enough with MLB players to understand that the keys to being 
successful and social and, and building an, an audience that is going to drive value not only for the, the player but for the team they play in, the league they play in, is to have an active, engaged social feed. So sharing high-quality, engaging content on a consistent basis to turn that social handle into a channel where the audience can really get to know these players and understand who they are and what they're, they value. And if you look at the, the activity of MLB players, um, less than, let me see, less than the, I got one good stat for you. I got to pull it up right here. So um, only 2% of MLB players share content at least once a day. On wow. Social. That's yeah. low. And, and only 35% share weekly. So to give you a comparison, NASCAR, 85% of NASCAR drivers share content weekly. F1, Formula One is 91%. NFL, it's 50%. So, and you look at the activity of MLB players, they just don't share content. And Brian, you might ask yourself why, but again, working closely with them, there's a different path to the MLB than for the NFL and NBA, and it's a very humbling path. Many of these players uh, went the minor league route and slept in um, motels, drove on buses, and, and were thankful to be able to swing a bat every other day. Um, so they're a little bit more humble and less likely to use their social channels as a very prideful five-star football recruit that got drafted, you know, and, and after three years of playing college ball at the highest level. I mean, every day that, that NFL player has been coddled and treated as a superstar um, wherein a lot of these baseball players and NHL players have taken a different path. And personality is key to, uh, again, a, an active social channel. And, and some of these guys have put their personality on the back burner. So looking at MLB players this time of year, Brian, they, they, don't, they don't share often. And go back to the roots, I think that's why, is that they've been humbled on their path to the league. Blake, who are some athletes out there, I don't really care what sport, but that you look at and go, that person is doing it right? You know, I, I think one of my favorite case studies in athlete marketing over the last year has been Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. And, Brian, you, if you follow him on any social channel, you get it. You get engaged. You get involved. He's a personality that is – it, it matches what our culture desires. It, it, we are a personality-obsessed culture, and he's found a, a way, uh, a distinct way to engage his audience on a consistent basis. And he's got some help behind him. And I think behind every great athlete brand um, is, is a great athlete marketer. And Karan Gill um, is, is an individual that works closely with, with Juju to help build out this strategy. But he's one that's turned his handle into a channel and has had a lot of success with that. Um, and then what I like about that is he's young, he's growing. And then you see the, the major names in sports, and that would be the LeBron James and what he's doing on, on Instagram and, and providing a glimpse into his life, or Tom Brady and um, his series on Facebook. And these guys are getting a lot of help at the highest level. But Juju is a great one that, that's really found his own voice and niche in the market. Yeah, it's interesting you see the young people like Juju, who I think is 21 years old. And by the way, he's a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're wondering out there. But then you've got Tom Brady, Serena Williams, some of these athletes who are elite, elite, but they've gotten into the social media game late in their career. Even Kobe got into social media late in his playing career. So it's interesting to see like who gets into it from day one versus who sees 
that the final chapter is near on the field or on the court and they say, I better build my social platform so I have those to use when I'm not in the spotlight as much. Yeah, that's something that's near and dear to our heart is helping athletes maximize the value of that channel. However long their career is, eventually it comes to an end. And you, t- you talk about that all the time, Brian, and I know um, that's that transition that you see many athletes go into, sports media or broadcasting or something to extend their the life of their impact on the sports community. But, you know, whether you're playing at Nebraska for three years or you're playing in the NFL for 13 you know, however long that window of opportunity for you is, it's important for athletes to maximize it. And social media has become this one place where they are building their own audience that can stick with them long after sports um, end and their career is over on the field. They still have an audience that will listen and support them in whatever endeavors they pursue. So, yeah, you like to see athletes that uh, from day one are embracing and understanding the value of their channel. And it's very interesting to look at the young athletes across all sports leagues because they've grown up with social media in their hands and their pockets. And you know, there was a recruit, uh, Buki Hiles, that was committed to Nebraska. Then now he's at Oklahoma that has over 50,000 followers. And he's, he's just in his first semester in college. I mean, this is somebody that has built an audience that will have value if he ever starts it down in college or plays at the next level. He has a, an audience of supporters. And that's critical and, and one of the main values of social. You guys have built some tremendous momentum with sports properties. You mentioned the NFL Players Association. You just did a deal with the LPGA. From the properties and the league standpoint, how do you pitch them your value? You know, there's a, a lot of education that goes into it, Brian, and we have had a lot of great conversations over the last five years with properties, big and small, and all shapes and sizes in sports. And, um, what we like to share are the facts, this, the stats that we get to see. And one of the beautiful things about social is there's all kinds of data available and all kinds of stories and trends that you can report on and share with a property. So, you know, if you look at the, uh, we did an analysis of 2017, uh, the year that was in, in sports and social, and the engagement rate is something that we talk about often. Um, the engagement rate average for a team on social is around I'm going to get numbers on you, Brian. But And then leagues is about 0.6%. Okay, so that's kind of the average engagement rate across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all sports teams and leagues, 0.7 and 0.6. The average for athletes across those same channels is 3.2%. So about six times higher engaged audience and and five times higher than, than leagues or teams. So you're talking about a highly engaged audience. And these athletes are oftentimes the the face of a team or a league or an athletic department. And what they say has a tremendous impact on that property. And so those conversations are really about education. And if Open Doors can be a solution or a tool that helps these properties push content and help share content with their players to engage that audience together, maximizing the, the value of their content they've created and um, really collaborate on what message they're sharing with the market, then openers, yeah, we love that. Um, but end of the day, we plead properties just to take a step back and understand that what their players say matters. And if you have a simple way to help them share content that benefits the both of you, then um, everybody wins. So that's been a big key to momentum for us over the last year um, in partnering with properties up and down you know, college athletics and all the way up to the highest levels of sport. 
Blake, last question for you. Look into your crystal ball, I don't know, two to five years. We see so many changes with social media, but what do you see ahead for athlete-driven media? And uh, I would imagine this is all only going to continue to increase as time goes along. Yeah, well, I, I, what I would look for, and again, crystal ball, five-year window, uh, we envision a world where athletes are the main source of sports video content and their social channels are those distribution engines um, for consuming that content. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Brian, I grew up in Kansas City. And, you know, while I would love to turn on ESPN and see every clip from that game, I know that ESPN is not going to show me every highlight from the Chiefs game. They're going to show me a couple. So I can flip over to NFL Network, and I might see, you know, 10 plays of the game on NFL Network, but they can't show me everything because they got to entertain every NFL fan and then now it's, it's transitioned to the Chiefs themselves can have a better uh, offering in terms of consuming highlight packages. And maybe I could see 15 clips on the Chiefs. But if I'm a fan of Travis Kelsey and I really want to see every play that he made in that game, the Chiefs aren't going to show that game because they got to entertain every fan of the Chiefs, not just Travis Kelsey fans. So what we envision is a world where if you want to consume content that is focused on your favorite athlete, then their social channels are going to be those um, that avenue for you. And as distribution rights continue to change and evolve with social media, we like to see that athletes and their handles become a very valuable distribution engine for sports video content up and down, and from the college student athlete all the way up to the, the pros at the highest level. Yeah, and we're already seeing that. You know, LeBron James has had some unreal dunks in the last few weeks, and they're all posted on his platforms and someone's giving him that video and those highlights, but he's reposting those. The one I live in Portland, the one he had over Nurkic a few weeks ago, you know, that was everywhere, but he posted the, that dunk on his own platform. So I agree with you. I think, you know, if you're a fan of an individual athlete, those, rights are going to change so it's going to allow them to post those highlights on their own platforms yeah and those and that's that's critical is understanding the rights and some of these athletes they're grabbing and sharing content without the rights to do so and teams and leagues will look the other way Um, but as it becomes more of a formal structure it provides an opportunity for the athletes to earn additional revenue but also for those properties to maximize the value of that content that they capture. I mean, six times higher engagement if you just handed it to an athlete and push it through their channel. So it's more content for the fans, more engagement for the properties, and more value for uh, the sports community. We're excited about it, and we're in the early stages with, with many of our property partners. Well, you guys are doing a great job. I'm looking forward to Open Doors being our exclusive sponsor for our post-event cocktail reception at the Players' Tribune on May 22nd at the Sports PR Summit. That's going to be really great. You'll meet some great people there. You've come to our events in the past, and I really appreciate it. But uh, I'm excited to showcase Open Doors and what you guys are doing with the audience at Sports PR Summit. Yeah, we're excited to be there, Brian. You've built an incredible brand and an incredible group of people that come together each year. So Sports PR Summit is a can't miss for us. And being at many renditions of it, I know familiar faces will be there, new faces as well. But thankful for the opportunity to be a part of it. And this is a, just a – you didn't ask for it, but I'll tell them, anybody listening, if you don't have a ticket to Sports PR Summit, do it. Uh, engage. This is a, a once-a-year event that you just got to have on your calendar. 
Looking well, forward to it. I appreciate it. Blake Lawrence, the founder and CEO of Open Doors. You can follow him on Twitter at Blake underscore Lawrence. You can follow Open Doors on Twitter at Open Doors, and you can find them online at opendoors.com. That's O-P-E-N-D-O-R-S-E dot com. Blake, thanks again, and I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is brought to you by MKTG. MKTG is a leading global lifestyle and marketing agency with 33 offices in 19 countries, including sports centers of excellence in New York, Paris, Madrid, Melbourne, and Tokyo. MKTG specializes in delivering strategic business-oriented marketing solutions for leading brands via sport and entertainment marketing, live experiences, retail marketing, hospitality, B2B engagement, and sponsorship marketing. Visit the MKTG website at mktg.com and review their insightful findings as part of their Decoding 2.0 study. Decoding 2.0 solidifies the need for a shift in thinking when selecting and marketing sport and lifestyle sponsorships. This unique study arms brand marketers with the quantitative data they need to specifically target those consumers most open to brand messaging and sponsorship, as well as provides a specific roadmap that identifies those tactics likely to produce the most receptive fans. Until now, the sponsorship industry has focused more on fan passion and avidity to identify sponsorships and develop activation strategies. Decoding 2.0 reveals the need to also understand the importance of fan receptivity. Follow MKTG on Twitter at MKTG. We'll bring MKTG's expertise to life during future segments on Sports Business Radio, so stay tuned for those. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is mktg.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmer. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Bart. My guest is tennis icon Chris Albert. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... 
Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.